All right, here we are, number 29, 29 episodes of Memory Tracks, and this should be a really good one. Um, I'm really excited to have my good friend, who I haven't seen in probably nine, ten months, it feels like, maybe not that long, but it feels like that long, um, but um, Eddie Simonelli is here, you could say hello. Hello, everybody. It's good to have you. Um, yeah, like... I, well, fun, first, I'll start by saying I'm still getting over a little bit of a congestion cold um, from traveling, and so my voice is probably a little bit off, so apologies if I cough and sound funky, but um, but anyways, your voice sounds great. Did you ever know that about yourself? Um, no, I actually, I don't like my voice that much. Oh, really? No. And I was just complimenting you about yeah, well. the test that I think you have a... <laughs> Beautiful radio. I don't voice. think anyone ever takes well to the compliment of their own voice because we all hear our own voices differently yeah. than what everyone else does. Good but point. thank you. Um, and uh, it's mutual. It takes a good voice to know one, a good voice. I don't know. Um, but it's great to have you here. Uh, it's significant for me to have you as a guest um, because you're. When I think about starting this podcast, there's really kind of four key players that brought me to doing this. Um, the first was Stu, who was episode number one, um, who I kind of concepted initially, and he was the one that did the Desert Island Disc comparison and caused me to research that. And then thinking about that more, I think I was catching up with you and Josh Shepard um, and Chris Wright, both of whom have recorded their episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh more recently, Chris a while back. Um, and I think we were at like Hi Hat, bar for taco tuesday or something and um i guess you guys had all traveled together in chicago or no 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 we were actually drunkenly texting you i think i started it okay because uh i think chris i told chris the idea had mentioned the idea and josh yeah. and i were like that's a fantastic idea why doesn't he do that and he's yeah. like you know harrison he's gonna find time or yeah. whatever and i was like Oh fuck that! Like, yeah, I just got on my phone. I just started harassing you. Yeah, I remember you guys, you guys were all kind of texting me like, "Hey, you should do." We were in Detroit. That's at right. A great, great dive bar called the Ontario. Big shout out to Kevin. I'm going to send this to Kevin the bartender there. Kevin the bartender. I Kevin keep the bartender. hearing this guy. He's legendary. You'd love him. He's going to be on the show. Someday. I hope so. Yeah, you keep yeah. talking about. It. We're going to just fly him down and uh, just for that. I would love to listen to that <laughs> podcast. I know Chris and Josh would as well. I really like. I, I can't even assign a picture and image in my head as to what this guy could. Possibly you don't need to know. I, don't, I really know nothing <laughs> about it. It's kind of creeping me out. But yeah, we had drinks later on in person, and you guys were egging me on about it. And um, that that night was kind of the night where I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna fucking do it. I'm gonna get the gear. I'm gonna start booking it, and we're gonna go. So it's awesome to have you on finally, and it kind of completes the. Uh, quad tractor or whatever that would be called of the four the four guests who um, are responsible for making me do this which is awesome so thank you for your encouragement and support um and i'm really looking forward to walking through your three songs yeah no <clears throat> thank you for doing it it's uh i don't listen to a lot of podcasts and this is one that i very much look forward to that's cool and uh you've been very good about trying to get me on but yeah i have two children under <laughs> three years old and that's hard to find time, and I was telling I was telling you before well, we started recording that I kind of been putting a little bit of pressure on myself about yeah. picking the songs. I think the songs changed like 150 times, yeah. which I think is pretty normal. Well, I know you've been thinking about it for a long time. I have. I mean, we've about talked it. about this episode for probably four or five months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you keep putting me off. Keep it was it was off. kind of it's like, like baby, uh, playing hard blah, to get blah, blah. a little bit, but I'm glad <laughs> no, to be that's here. Tonight. Typical Eddie fashion. Um, <laughs> 
but it's cool. Like you're, you're one of those guys that's been uh, a good friend of mine for a long time. Um, met through work, like a lot of other guests and, and friends. And, um, I think, you know, we kind of connected based on our mutual love of music and you, what you used to write for spin. Is that right? Um, pop matters, pop matters. Yeah. Very different than spin, but I think he used to tell people you were for spin. Uh, that's <laughs> that might be true, uh, but our, our our mutual friend Ray Swank just tells everybody I have a personal blog that my mother reads. Um, Do you? No, no, oh. no. Well. Um, yeah, no. I, I used to write for Pop Matters, uh, which is a whole other story, but solely just because I wanted to go see music for free when I was living in New York and meet bands yeah. that I loved, and figured out an avenue to do that. Um, yeah. And basically, just wrote love letters to the bands I like most. So that worked out well for better part of time. You're a very emotional person. I am. You really are. I'm half Irish, half Italian. Yeah. Does that come with the territory? Yeah. It definitely does. The drinking doesn't help, probably. (laughs) I never thought about that, but yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I would. Most people would probably describe me as emotional. Yeah, very true. Uh, But yeah, we've you know we've shared a lot of common ground over music over the years and deferred on a lot. You know, you, your pure. love and fascination with all things animal collective can be <laughs> no wrong um you know i still scratch my head a little bit at they're a great band i, I like merriweather of course and sure. sun tongs but beyond that yeah you know not, not but your stories about them are great but i'm relieved that you didn't pick an animal collective song. i you know <laughs> it's surprised it's no it's funny i um yeah i think about you and our conversations for the years about music and we don't really have a lot of overlap. Yeah, we really don't. Similar taste. Um, but I, I love how we both have a, a mutual appreciation and respect for each other's take. And I definitely have discovered some things um, through you and hopefully vice versa. But yeah. um, the first and only time I ever went to see Kanye was with you. Yeah. I mean, who else is going to take me to a Kanye show in <laughs> San Antonio? Oh, I'm so happy that we got to share that together. That I, was on the Yeezus tour. And yeah. That was, it was good, right? You, it was mind-blowing. Yeah. It's uh, better than advertised. You did not oversell that. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear that. But no, I I think the beautiful thing about music and why I love this podcast is I'd say the vast majority of songs that people have chosen here, I I don't really care for or like, but it's the stories behind them and um, they really resonate and you can just kind of understand and relate to it on some sort of degree. And I think you're great about kind of pulling those out of people. So you're a natural host for something like this. Well, thank you. Um, But... uh it's it's all on the guests, and I have no doubt that you will be able to bring that out as well here today. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's been really cool getting to be your friend, and I feel like these are. I think we've had a lot of conversations under these uh, a similar context to the podcast. But I'm looking forward to this in terms of it being like a focused, structured conversation to see what that brings out. And also, when you sent me the songs, I was like. You know, usually I always do a lot of research beforehand because I mm-hmm. am not super familiar with every song like it's picked or whatnot, and I want to have a bunch of facts. But like these are all three songs that you know, obviously I, kn- I know every single one. I think most people will, um, or at least have heard of the bands. And two of the songs, I mean, I know very well. That's Waldo, by the way. He says hello to everyone listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, these are these are great songs that I personally could talk about. I'm sure myself. Um, not necessarily from a memory track perspective, but I don't need any research to have something to say about them myself, which I usually try and have something to contribute. Sure. But also, you're you're a good storyteller yourself, and so I have no doubt that this will be this will be fun to go through. So well, it's funny. I, like true story, <laughs> the next day I woke up and I kind of ran to my phone like it was Christmas Day after yeah. I shared <laughs> the uh, the songs with Harrison via text message, 
And I got a response at 2.17 in the morning (laughs) (laughs) Uh, with a couple of smiley face emojis with hearts in their eyes. uh, I was like, okay. It was a pretty fierce reaction. Um, Okay. (laughs) But hey, if you had picked shitty songs, then that would have been fine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, I don't ever, I've I've never, everyone has picked great songs. And any future guests don't feel any pressure because it's about you. So here we go. Let's, should we kick it off with the first one? Absolutely. So the first one is a song, uh, a classic song that if you don't know this song, then man, you should probably you stop listening and yeah, uh, yeah. start start getting this down. But um, it's a great song. Uh, I believe you picked it from an actual soundtrack, right? Yep. Um, and it's by the artist Ben E. King, and the song is called Stand By Me. song by Benny King, Stand By Me. I mean, yeah, you hear that and you just are taken back. I just, I feel like I'm watching movies as a kid and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a perfect song. It's perfect. I mean, 
when the bass kicks into that song, I am instantly six or seven years old again. Yeah. And it's, uh, might be my most recognizable note in yeah. music is when that starts. And, yeah. uh, yeah, that song is just, I think it's a perfect song. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that bass line, I think every, you know, I play bass, and so, like, right. everyone, like, that's one of the first licks you want to learn. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, of course. Uh, I, had, I, I never it's knew classic. that. classic, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's sense. very easy to play. Sure. But, um, that's yeah, cool to know. Cool I've never knew that. It's, yeah. a, it's a pretty standard go-to track for that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, so did you, you said you call out specifically that it's the original soundtrack. I presume that it's somewhat connected to the film? Yes, uh, 100%. 100%. Um, one of my earliest memories as a child, um, funny enough, is being six or seven and like watching Stand By Me with uh, my parents. Yeah. Like six or seven. And that's a rated R movie. And, yeah. It's mean, um, pretty heavy. It's a pretty, and I mean, yeah, it's a based on a Stephen King novella for those of the listeners that have never seen it or heard of it. And the plot centers around these four kids who are about 11, 12 years old and um, heard about one of their classmates who got hit by a train and died, mm-hmm. and they want to go find the body so they can become famous. Like, think about that as a plot in 2017. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's a little dark, right? Um, and I'm six or seven, and probably seven, we'll say. I'll give my parents a little more credit, maybe <laughs> in seven or eight. Um, but it was the first rated R movie I saw, and uh, I just absolutely fell in love with that movie. I fell in love with the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and the Who way directed it, it? Rob Reiner. Right. Yeah, and good soundtracks. Yeah. And, and the way that I described that movie ever since then, it's my favorite movie. It'll always be my favorite movie yeah. well. is that it perfectly encapsulates that moment in time right before boys start caring about girls. Mm-hmm. Cause it's about these four guys and their friendship and them coming of age. But as soon Still as like very uniquely innocent. Yeah. 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 Um, there's like a great scene, an iconic scene in that movie where they're talking about cartoons and, you know, Pluto versus Goofy and one wearing pants and one being a dog, right? And it's like, you don't have that conversation when you're invested in girls. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, I absolutely like, you know, I can't explain to you how much I love that movie. I probably watched that movie, I'm not kidding, a hundred times before I was 10 years old. Was it, well, the first time you saw it was like it was on TV or they brought it home? Uh, that's a good question. This I, is one of those movies that it's always on TV. It, is it now? I think. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't have cable anymore, but I just feel like I remember as a kid, like inevitably it would be on some station. So point. I a hundred percent. I can't say for sure if it was a rental. Um, I a hundred percent had it on either VHS or Beta. I'm dating oh, myself wow. there. Yeah. Uh, my parents taped it because they were fans of the movie as well. And um, it definitely had the 80s uh, intro, the HBO intro uh-huh. to it. So yeah. it was 100% recorded from HBO. But I watched this movie all the time. And it was kind of funny because... Wait, Stand By Me is an HBO film? No, no, no. Like the HBO intro to their, you know, an R rating, like, oh, you know, like okay. the, the yeah, yeah, general yeah. intro gotcha. sort of yeah. thing. And the theme music, I can still <laughs> picture that. Um, and even though my parents introduced it to me, and not like, hey, you need to watch Stand By Me. I was like, my parents are just... And I appreciate this now as a parent's like, we're watching this. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, despite watching it a dozen times at that point in time, anytime there was like a long string of curse words where I just knew it was coming, I'd go into the bathroom because I was embarrassed <laughs> to, uh, to be there with my parents. Like, think yeah. about that. There's, you know, there's no nudity or anything in the movie, but right. like big tirades of swearing got me yeah. uncomfortable with my parents at yeah. seven or eight. You know, <laughs> they are like, hey, let's watch this R-rated movie about a dead body. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
yeah, the movie is uh, is something special and uh, to me. And it's uh, funny talking about the like being embarrassed. Like even to this day, I still like a sex scene, watching a sex scene in a movie with my parents or something. Sure. Like, I'm Can't very do it. Comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like um, a, a, several a decade ago or whatever, whenever it came out, I went, I went to see Closer uh-huh. with my mother. Yeah. I won tickets or yeah. something, and it's like yeah, it's a movie about infidelity and yeah, pretty crass in terms of the. I remember going to the theater to watch Titanic with my mom and her covering my eyes during the, the painting scene. <laughs> That's amazing. That yeah. You're your mother's date to Titanic. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You're opening this up for me. <laughs> I'm expecting to be teased by you, but I think we might be able to switch this yeah, around. I think, yeah, it's bait and switch. Um, but to know, um, uh, Caitlin, my friend, who was an earlier guest of yours, oh, yeah. we were talking about uh, Stand By Me, I believe, and there's, a certain, there's also kind of a subculture of huge River Phoenix fans, mm-hmm. and I was an enormous... River oh, Phoenix yeah. fan as a kid to the point that I was thinking about this recently is like River Phoenix was not the kid I wanted to be he was like the kid I wanted to be friends You're with, friends with. Yeah, in that movie cool guy, he was right? the cool guy he was always way cooler than you knew you could ever be yeah so you and just, just wanted to hit the coolness to rub absolutely. off absolutely you, used <laughs> you the couldn't word, even handle that much no you're absolutely right and um, you talked about you used the word uh, emotional to describe me and yeah. you know sensitive certainly could be a, a, a filler for that as well right and his character in that movie was kind of like the sensitive hard ass who was kind of misunderstood and again right. I didn't relate to that but I appreciated kind of you the vulnerability where he was coming from yeah and those kids were like 12 um, yeah. I read an article recently about Stranger Things have you watched Stranger Things yeah I love it it's and um, it's very much in a descendant of Stand By Me so the creators um they actually had all the child actors read scenes from Stand By Me oh, cool. because they said that's like the during pinnacle. During casting? During or, casting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because they pointed to that as like the pinnacle of child that's acting. That's the age, yeah, and, and the time period they're going for. Yeah, and all four of those actors. I no, mean, they did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. Yeah. I'm really um, excited for season two. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you are you the oldest? I can't remember. I am the oldest of three boys. Three boys. So you've got one brother that's three years younger. I have one brother one who's five. two years younger and one that's five years younger. Okay, two yeah. and five. So did they, so you watched it at seven, so you still have the brothers, so were they allowed to watch it with you? You know, I don't, I, I can't remember if they were with me. They've, they've seen it yeah, more than the average bear, for yeah. sure. Um, and, you know, it, it was on, we didn't, I think we had one TV and one VCR, so yeah. it was on a lot. And so they As we got older, this wasn't yeah. something I gave up on when I was like eight. Yeah. You know, I kept watching when I was 12, 13, 15. Did you did you end up building your own gang like theirs? Did you? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Uh, we kind of had a, a neighborhood gang that was not a gang. We had lemonade stands and oh, of course, yeah, built forts and yeah, like but we, there were two brothers, another pair of brothers, and my uh, younger brother Sean and I, uh, the four of us. Yeah, but yeah, we weren't a gang. We, could you assign like the stereotypes of the characters from Stand by Me to your collective? Another good question. Um, no, I don't think there was too much symmetry. I, I'm always, I, I would say I was probably always the, the Gordy Lachance, the, <laughs> the Will Whedon character, the kind of sulking yeah. brother who's, you know, John Cusack's the older brother. Passed I was going to say, like, maybe you were like the chunk from Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, ended up marrying the supermodel, which is one of the. Oh, he's, really? He's married to Rebecca Romaine. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. He took yeah. Uncle Jesse's wife. Yeah. Yeah. Burns. Chunk. Yeah, that's crazy. Good for Chunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Chunk Chunk is from Goonies. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, so Chunk didn't take Rebecca. No, Ver- Vern. Vern is, uh, Vern okay, is the fat uh, kid yeah, from, well. from Stand okay, By Me. Okay, yeah, but the Chunk but, is stereotype. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to correct that for your listeners. Yeah, that's someone, fair. That's fair. Someone's like, wait a minute. 
Well, which is better, Stand By Me or Goonies? I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but no, yeah. Stand By Me. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't see Goonies until, like, six years ago. It's funny. I was just about to tell you that my my wife, who you're She's a, never seen a huge fan of, she didn't watch it until we were in college at Boston University together. And I can't... I don't think I watched it with her. Maybe. I don't really remember. Yeah. But her takeaway was... She's like, they're really mean to that sloth kid. Or, you know, like, what's... Someone should report... I was just like, I love you so much. That's amazing. <laughs> That's that was her awesome. takeaway from Goonies. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. a weird film that they'll inevitably remake, and you'll have to take your kids to one day. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to me, these uh, these movies that they're remaking. Yeah. That's a good one, though. Um, yeah. It's a great song, and, I mean, it's forever tied to the, the movie, I'm sure. Do you think... I mean, like, I would be curious to talk to someone such as yourself or other fans of music, like, I don't know if they're inextricably linked. To me, it is. Um, but to the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I think it definitely is. And, yeah, sure. it's like, uh, like, I know the scene perfectly. It's the very end when yeah. he shuts off his computer, the bass line kicks in, and right. it's just like, it gets me every time. But no, it's perfect. One of the, um, again, like, I mean, I've, it was last September when Josh, Chris, and I were in Detroit drunkenly texting you, harassing you about the show, and um, since then, you know, I literally was thinking, what would my three thong- songs be? And I knew I wanted to have one that was a soundtrack mm-hmm. or affiliated with a movie or a TV show. Yeah, because you, I mean, you love film. I love film. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I just, I feel that movies, they don't, it's not a requirement for me, but they're certainly enhanced when a director is thoughtful enough mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. really strong music placement um, that could be subtle or otherwise. So I just knew that I had to, one of the songs had to be something from, yeah. Uh, from a movie or yeah. a TV show and just thinking about how through the years <laughs> I've kind of grown out a deeper appreciation for soul music. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of really kicked off. Uh, I was really into oldies when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I guess it's probably commonplace too. Uh, but listening to the oldies um, at a young age and probably as a result of this song, um, you know, yeah, it just, it seemed to, I mean, yeah, you can't deny it. I mean, I, I can't remember if Benny King is Motown or Stax or one I'm not of those, sure. But, I mean, it's very much that, like, James Jamerson bass style. And, yeah, it's it hits hard every time. They don't make them like that anymore. They do not. <laughs> uh, you were talking about film and music and things like that. I'm curious, only because it's fresh. Uh, do you watch The Leftovers? Uh, so I, I read the book. Okay. Um, several years ago and the first season was kind of critically panned if I recall and I just was, didn't yeah. invest the time unfairly so but and I've and now the reviews have come around yeah. and I'm I'm so far behind on my TV watching but I'm absolutely it's only three seasons they just finished so it's easy to catch up on I'm telling you when you have episodes. when you have kids and dude, sometimes <laughs> you just stare at your ceiling fan and you're like this is so am I gonna sleep tonight um well, one day watch. I it. will. I, the it's, music it's on in that list. show is really spot on. Oh, actually, I, I read an article on Pitchfork recently mm-hmm. that uh, the music supervisor, um, I forget her name, but she works for KCRW, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, worked on Friday Night Lights oh, and a couple wow. other things as yeah. well. And it, then they were praising her for her work on The Leftovers. This will sound really weird and like not a good example of it, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it works so perfectly to the point where you're like almost in tears. There's a scene in this latest season where two characters. Um, are going through some pretty intense emotional things. And so uh, one of them has covers up a significant tattoo with the Wu-Tang W. Okay. And the next scene after they explain that is them jumping up and down on a trampoline under like a perfect starlit sky with a Wu-Tang song playing. <laughs> and there's something about that moment that's so sure. perfect and like such like 
the bravery of the music supervisor to put that together and have it actually work. It's phenomenal. But no, I, you I, need to watch it. I think if, uh, you know, that fun question, if you could do anything, what would you do? It'd be a, I'd be a music supervisor. Interesting. Oh, I think wow. that's, I mean, what a well, job, right? We'll see. You've got two songs left here, so we'll see what the <laughs> listeners think. This no, is your job no. interview. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to the next one, um, which is a great song. Um, probably a good karaoke song that I've always wanted <laughs> to do, so I'm going to have to add this to my list. Um, this is called El Scorcho by Weezer. <laughs> Yeah. 
Michael Scorcha by Weezer from honestly I was thinking about this like <laughs> some bold statements to make but Pinkerton the album that this song is on is a top 25 record for me I think like well maybe even dangerously close to lower than that but I love Pinkerton so much it's so important to me it's like I love this record I really do and this song is phenomenal and goofy and fun and ridiculous and just perfect so, so good I'm, I'm I kind of love hearing that and that's that's why I've been looking forward to this night so much because I don't we've never talked about Weezer yeah 2017 yeah many people are talking no, about yeah, Weezer well, it's embarrassing to talk um, about Weezer <laughs> but it's you know it's not it's like I don't believe in and in that idea of guilty pleasures, you yeah. love the things you love, right? And I don't. I'm not. I don't feel guilty about Pinkerton. No, I know. <laughs> I, I know. I, I have a handful of bands. I feel exactly the same way yeah. about Weezer um, as you do. But uh, Rivers Cuomo you can write a pop song. Yeah. And yeah, those first two albums are well. But the, I mean, you know the background. I'm sure you do. I might not educate so, me. Well, so Blue Album comes out for right. Weezer. It's you know huge pop success and everything and you know it did what pavement can never do which is like crossover and get radio appeal and um they you know it was great and so rivers is you know a star and then pinkerton comes out and pinkerton is like a very honest like depressingly emotional and frankly like kind of fucking creepy <laughs> if you read the lyrics to this like looking back at it like he's a creep uh, and his like infatuation with the different loves that he sings about in this, it's like, dude, you kind of, you're, this is kind of weird. <laughs> Boundary issues, uh, right? Yeah. And, uh, but this record is like intentional in, intensely personal and emotional for him. And he wrote it and then it came out and it was Bound, panned right? critically. Yeah. It didn't sell well at all. And he basically was just like devastated from it. And, this record is the reason why Weezer doesn't make any good music anymore now. It's mm-hmm. because like this was the time when he was very intensely emotional and honest. And then that word again, emotional, emotional, then, literally like the story is after like a few months after this came out and he locked himself in a closet for five days to write the green album where his assistant would basically bring in bread and water and he had a bucket and he's like, you know, this has been exaggerated over time. I'm sure like, I'm sure it wasn't actually that intense, but he supposedly like was working on an algebraic formula for writing the perfect pop song, which then he used that formula for writing every track on Green Album, and that's where you get Hash Pipe and all that other you know BS that is still fine to listen to, but doesn't even compare to what Pinkerton has. Yeah, um, and then now we get albums like something called Ratitude, which yeah. I think is a record that they put out a few years ago, which is embarrassing. But yeah, I mean Pinkerton, El Scorcho, like love this record it it i i know every word to every song on this album and i could sing it and this is one of those things when i'm like driving late at night and i'm starting to get sleepy and i need a boost like i'll put this record on and i could drive across the entire united states singing this on repeat exactly. that's great i love it <laughs> but anyways I love that's why that's why no i mean honestly uh <laughs> You have fantastic guests, and I love their perspective. But I, I learned something new about one of my dearest friends in Austin every time I listen to this podcast. Because <laughs> again, there's just so much music to cover, and we, like I said, we've never talked about Weezer. So hearing yeah. your, you know, emotional title Weezer is, uh, I'm I interested just, in that. I just love it, man. Yeah, it's great. I don't, I don't, and I don't really even have like a significant memory to it. So this isn't a memory track for me by any means, and really nothing from this record is. It's just 
it's always kind of been a good record for me that meant something. And I mean, I'm I'm a few years older than you. <laughs> um, how old were you when this album? Did you listen to this album when it no, came out? No, no, oh, no, okay. No, yeah. Somebody discovered it later. Um, I remember there was like a kid, I was probably fourteen, um, that went to the same church as me and he used to wear a Weezer shirt to youth group or whatever and I was like, What's that? and he told me about Weezer, and I started listening to them, and I couldn't even... I think that's probably around Green Album. Okay. Because I remember Hash Pipe was on the radio. Gotcha. And I used to always think that, when I heard the song on the radio, I always thought, instead of saying Hash Pipe, he was saying Housewife. And I was like, I don't <laughs> understand this lyric. I got my housewife? What? That's great. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Sorry, I hijacked your your connection. No, today. you didn't. No. Um, but yeah, tell me, tell me for you why you picked it. I was surprised you picked it, but yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I uh, I didn't pick these songs to surprise you or impress you, but I can't deny the fact that I'm pleased that I did, uh, nonetheless. <laughs> um, so, uh, unlike you, Weezer was like a very much a real time thing for me. Yeah. Um, just kind of by happenstance. But uh, you know, I grew up with the Spike Jones Buddy Holly video, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember uh, getting the Blue Album for Christmas um, in 1994, I guess, probably. Wow. Five. Um, and, and very much loving that album, being in eighth grade, and um, I don't, I don't remember anyone else. I didn't, I didn't talk about Weezer with anyone else. Yeah, in junior high, and um, high school started, and I made the decision. I don't know if you know this about me. I, I ran cross country. <laughs> no. <way. laughs> yeah, yeah. I ran, I ran cross country, which is uh, kind of a fun tidbit about me. Yeah, I, well, for, for, for those of you who don't know me, I don't exactly have the frame <laughs> body to be like a long distance runner. Um, but yeah, I ran cross country for the sole purpose uh, to get in shape for basketball, um, <laughs> to compete and try to try out for you the, for for the your, basketball team. You're orange, huh? I, I never, uh, I, it's funny, like I ran cross country for three years. In uh, high school, and I got cut from the basketball team every single year. But I was in the best fucking shape of anyone yeah, out there, I'll tell you that. Wow. Um, but no, the reason I bring up cross country is um, it started like a week before high school. And I went to a, a private Catholic junior high, and most of my friends were going to that school, but the school was, you know, 10, 15 times bigger per class. And, um, you know, you're starting high school. Anytime someone starts high school, that's kind of an intimidating time. And I started a week early um, to start practicing and training for cross country and the upperclassmen in that group, I can picture these guys clearly. I know all their names still and um, just amazing human beings um, kind of took all the younger freshmen under their wings and whatnot. And they were enormous Weezer fans, <laughs> enormous Weezer fans. Yeah. And at that point in time, the blue album was out and it was just something we all listened to. And they were literally the first friends I made before school started and I didn't realize until like the first couple months of high school that, you know, it's pretty nerdy and geeky to run cross country. Yeah. Like I, I what? No. It just, really? <laughs> I, I mean, at least where I'm from, huh. it's not uh, anything you kind of. Not a cool thing. Okay. It's not a cool thing. Um, but the reason I, I thought about this and I picked the song was that Weezer was like this instrumental bond between those group of guys. And my tastes were forever solidified. Um, by the confidence I had of just like liking what I liked yeah. and um, who knows how impressionable I was if I had just not ran cross country and went to high school and felt compelled to like a lot of the popular things that other people liked. Yeah. Um, Weezer is kind of, you know, it's geek music. Um, 
guy yeah, sat in a closet yeah. to work out a perfect <laughs> pop song. Like that's there's nothing sexy about that story. Right. Um, and it's I mean this song too. It's like it's it's all about unrequited love. Right. Which geeks who run long distance, I mean, you know, it's well, kind of a beautiful combination. With like, you know, a few years after Kurt Cobain committed suicide, he was like the ultimate, like, cool dude. Right. And this is kind of like a different, like a, a nerd take of... Yeah, like, I got in, like, a little sidetrack, like, uh, to me, like, I think of Nirvana and I think of The Unplugged. That's like how yeah. I kind of got, got in, quote unquote, to Nirvana yeah. and, I, you know, I would never yeah, I'm sure claim to, be like... So like Weezer was like my '90s grunge, yeah. you know, version. Yeah, yeah, this that's wrong, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. You're right, but uh, but no, just the confidence that I had of like and and the anticipation. This was the first record, Pinkerton, that I ever eagerly anticipated with with oh, a bunch okay, of people. Yeah. Right. Um, when it came out, we're like, oh my god, what's this gonna sound like? We're so psyched. And then we all loved it. Yeah. And, you know, rightfully so. I need, especially when it came out. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's really hard for me to listen to this and like be able to understand or relate to why people didn't like this record i i honestly i don't understand it um yeah i i I will say this we're talking about it obviously um i'm more of a fan of the blue album yeah um i think this is i think this is a very underappreciated record and i knew i I, like i didn't know what we were going to talk about i think not so much now i mean i think a lot of people do look back and recognize how good pinkerton was and and come around Yeah. yeah it's uh um, I, I don't, I don't get it either. And it is sad. I did. I didn't know where you're going with the Rivers Cuomo story, but I did know that I didn't know the details of the closet, Yeah. but I did know he kind of had a breakdown and was just like, fuck this and yeah. disappeared off the scene. And we were heartbroken as, you know, yeah. on that team. Um, but this song, this was like our anthem. This was like, again, like it's just, it's funny to think about, you know, 14 to 17 year old white kids at this yeah. Catholic school in Western New York just <laughs> singing this song on the top of our lungs before we went to go compete. Can you do, race. can you give me an impression of the little glala at the beginning? No, no, I couldn't <laughs> even, I've never even, I've never even attempted to do that. Oh, please. I've never, bullshit. I've actually never, but this is definitely one of the songs, no, I'm not. Um, this is definitely one of the songs <laughs> that I, uh, like you, like belt out. Like yeah. I've been listening to it a lot recently uh, in anticipation of coming on here and uh-huh. just kind of putting myself back in that spot and, uh, yeah, like I wrote down the, the, the lyric while we were listening to it. For all I know, you want me to and just don't know uh, what to do. And maybe you're scared to say I'm falling for you. That's literally what every geek in the entire history of geeks has <laughs> wanted some girl that they're in love with to say to them. And uh, yeah, I just, I had such an appreciate. I think, I think Weezer and this album and that group of guys formed so much of my personality. Yeah. I'm just being very comfortable in my own skin and uh, being very selective about the people I surrounded myself with in a very thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. And, and really trying not to put uh, too much weight in other people's judgment or opinions, yeah. and and that definitely translated to my tastes. Like Animal Collective, I get a, it's easily the weirdest shit I love, but I love it, and like, and I don't have to explain it to anybody. And yeah. you know, it's like I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, I do like Animal. Collective. No, I know, but I I, 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 I pretend I get like it less. Just I get to it. Get under your skin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great pick and a good song, and always one that anytime I hear it, I get excited about. Um, fun little uh, tidbit. The only time in my entire life that I've ever crowd surfed was during this song, Seriously? 1996, <laughs> at a small venue in Rochester, New York, and I got up on stage. Oh. Like I crowd surfed. They, cr- they took me all the way to the stage. I was like 16 years old with with all oh, the cross country guys. I was a yeah. legend for about a week and a half there. With wow, them. I bet. Yeah, yeah it's the only time little, I've ever done it. You're a little lighter back then. Touche, touche, touche. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, very cool, very cool. Good pick. Should we move to the last one? Yeah. All right. So this one, 
I just said I, I made a bold claim of top uh, record, and I'll have to say this is like a top fifty song for me. Oh, yeah, this is this is I was this one. I'm really really excited to even just listen to it again. He's with glowing everybody. while he talks about this, um, but great. it's a song uh, called "Young Liars" from TV on the Radio. Burying them deep in the 
was Young Liars by TV on the Radio. Uh, spiritual song. It's heavy. It's good. And honestly, I don't I don't really know any of the words other than the chorus. I've never even it's never even crossed my mind to look up the lyrics to the song. Yeah, sure. It's just something about the way that it all comes together. It's moves it's, me so much. It's got a swagger, right? It's yeah. just it's got a yeah. It's yeah, it's dirty, like in in the best kind of way, like like the swagger. And, and it and it's funny. This is like it comes out on the Young Liars EP, which they release. It's essentially their first like release. I mm-hmm. guess I'm sure they had demos and stuff before. Uh, they had OK Calculator. OK Calculator. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. mess that is. Um, Some good tunes on that. But, though. There's uh, a few. That's a stretch. But <laughs> yeah, I mean the song, and I mean the song is really a template for all things that are TV and the radio later on. Um, and it just kind of captures those elements so perfectly at the beginning. And they, I don't think they ever really topped the song. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that cause this isn't even my favorite song on that EP. Well, staring at the sun is a, it's not even an equally uh, perfect song. It's, it's the, I, I'm a huge TV on the radio fan and less and less as time has gone on. Yeah. But, um, this yeah, we'll kind of get into my yeah, story a no, little no, bit. I mean, but no, no, I mean, you, you do. Tell well, me. I mean, okay, so I mean, I was the only, I mean, I could go into different things about the song, but the one thing that I'll say that is cool to me about thinking about this in the context of you is I have a really specific memory of the first time that I saw this song live, which was, I think, the first time you came to see me play at Spider House with Far Far Future during South by Southwest. Um, and Afterwards, I had tickets to the ACL taping, and I went. TV on the radio played, and they opened with this song, and then and I was down front, like at the bottom, and just like on cloud nine, like it was perfect day. It's and then day. I think he texted yeah. me later and was like, "Dude, I ended up being at that show. I saw you down there. It looked like you're really fine." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. We were two shows at the same time. That's same great." Place. But I very I remember hearing the songs like, "Oh my god." It's funny. I thought you were gonna tell the story of uh, during South by when we were at that. Uh, oh, remember? Yeah, the, the Tommy Tom York secret show. <laughs> the Tommy York secret show that's never ever happened. It's kind of uh, like Daft Punk uh, playing South by every yeah, year. Yeah, it's like Tommy York. Tommy York's playing. Yeah, no, he's play. not playing. <laughs> but I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, yeah, I think I smuggled myself into that show with you or something like that. No, because I got in. No, yeah, you lied and said you were at the hotel and you said you wrote for some magazine or something. You got Spin. in. Spin. And I waited. Over. Like, I was the first one in line. And Alvy and Ray and all those guys tried to cut me. And I was like, hell no, I waited here all day. <laughs> yeah. I got in. It worked out. But no time York, but we did get to see TV on the radio play. So that was cool. So we've we've shared some TV and the radio experiences. Absolutely, no. I mean, we've we've you know, we've gone to a good amount of shows together, and yeah. there, you know, we made it seem like there really isn't a lot of music that you and I both like love and admire. Yeah. It's not necessarily true. I just yeah. think uh, I have better taste. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, I don't ever <laughs> compete with people on taste. I'm just kidding. I'm I know. Just kidding. I'm sensitive. You know that. I know. You're emotional. We've already been over this. Emotional, sensitive. They're interchangeable. So tell me why you picked this one. Um, <clears throat> so it started with a cross-country trip to go see Radiohead at Red Rocks in 2003. I can't believe you're a cross-country guy. You can't believe I what? You're a cross-country guy. Well, no, I, I ran cross-country. I drove cross-country. Oh, okay. I didn't run to <laughs> I Red thought Rocks. you were saying you were... <laughs> I was like, what the... That f- would be some fucking Forrest Gump shit, man. 
<laughs> I ran to Red Rocks from upstate oh, New York. So you flew across the country. No, I, dr- I drove. I drove okay. with a good buddy of mine. Okay. Um, and we stopped in Alpine Valley for a Radiohead show. We saw two shows on that uh, on that drive. And uh, one of my closest friends from college, Adam, was from Wisconsin. And uh, we were staying with him the night before the show and smoking a joint. And he was like, you got to hear some shit. You got to hear this thing. You've heard TV on the radio. I've heard of them. And he put on this EP. It was Satellite. Opens that oh, up. Yeah. And uh, there's a few times in my writing career in music that I think I've kind of hit the nail on the head. But to me, like that, that EP opens up. It sounds like a like a garbage can so in, in a laundromat. And Satellite, 100%, if I ever make a movie, is the track that's playing during the opening credits. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. Um, and I was just mesmerized listening to this band and thinking, you know, through these songs, um, I forget the young lady's name that you had on, I think your second or third show. Um, Margaret? Maybe. I don't know. But she, whoever it was, she said something really profound, something I'm, I'm really paraphrasing, so forgive me, Margaret. Um, but, you know, there's very few things that kind of really sound original or your own or mm-hmm. of its time. TV on the radio to me is like the one thing in my lifetime that I've heard and it's like, I've yeah. never heard anything like this before. Yeah. It's just this amalgamation of soul and gospel and anybody who's seen them perform. I mean, he's like a preacher up there. Yeah, his eyes are rolling in the back of his yeah. head and he's just like, Tunday, up, he's yeah. got his hand, he's doing this thing with his hand yeah. and it's unbelievable. So that's how I was introduced to TV on the radio and um, the first time I saw them, the same guy actually, Steve, who was doing the driving cross country, not running cross country <laughs> uh, with, uh, we drove to Toronto from Rochester, New York, where I'm from. It's about a three-hour drive with uh, my friend Leilani, who's uh, from Austin, um, and one of her friends. We drove to go see them play. Junior Boys opened. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. 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 They played this venue called the Horseshoe Tavern. Okay. And um, the anticipation for us to see this band was pretty high, and we go in there, and it was like it was like a pirate galley, like yeah. like the galley of a pirate ship. Like It was like it was really wild, like wooden chandeliers, and kind of musty and just had this vibe and uh the anticipation for tv on the radio to play was just like you could feel in the air and yeah. they, they broke out young liars they opened up with young liars and i'm talking 30 seconds into it i've never felt an energy like that in my entire life yeah. everybody who's in that crowd there's probably 100 people right like new yeah like these guys are gonna be fucking huge, huge. you know huge for what they are but right. like they will you know transcend this little horseshoe tavern yes yeah. and um and they opened up with this and it was just it was unbelievable and an amazing set, excellent. And Adam, who introduced me to TV on the radio, I joked around with him beforehand. I said, look, I'm going to see them, because he had never seen it before. I'm going to go see them tonight in Toronto. I'm driving three and a half hours to go see them in three and a half hours back, same night, because I was young and had the energy. Of course. You, you've known me a lot. I've like, been old and boring, but I used to have the juice <laughs> to do things like that. Um, so I, I joked around with that. And then afterwards, TV on the radio, they just they killed it. And they were signing autographs and just talking to people. And I go up to Tunde, and I was just like, hey, man. I was like, that was an unbelievable set. Thank you so much, et cetera. I told my, one of my best friends that if I met you, like, uh, I would do my damage to get you on the phone. Just say what's up to him. He's like, dial him up. Aww. And so I, I, I so dialed at him. I go, hey, man. I go, what's up? He goes, how was the show? I go, someone wants to say hi to you. He goes, fuck you. And I hand him the phone. And Tunde's like, hey, man, I just want to tell you, like, you know, we're still up and coming, and for you to tell your boy across the country about us and introduce us to him, oh. like, it's cool. He drove all this way. It's awesome. Like, hope we get to play in L.A. soon, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, 
whatever. And I told my go, let me let me buy you. Thank you for doing that. Can I buy you a drink? He's like, I've drink tickets. I go, fuck that. I'm buying you a drink. Yeah. And Steve and I joke around and forgive me, Steve. I believe it was wild turkey meat. Oh jeez. And I was just like, you got to protect those vocal cords, Tunde. <laughs> and it was just super cool. And then I had this relationship with this band. Um, for a few more years, I ran into Dave Satek mm-hmm. at uh, the Siren Music Festival a year later, a couple years, la- a year later, we'll say. Yeah. And uh, I was writing for Pop Matters and he remembered me. And, uh-huh. I'll, uh, and it was cool because like these guys were so gracious and it was like they were yeah. just coming up. And I'll never forget. He was talking to me and he's like, hey, man, like, I remember you from Toronto. What's your name again? I'm like, I'm Eddie. And he's like, hey, Eddie. And he's like, well, you're trying to like work for a record label here in town. And I was like, yeah. And all of a sudden this six foot tall stunning probably model like walks up to him yeah and i'm like kind of like picking the vibe up and i'm kind of like just about to rotate pivot out of the scene like you know give the man a and he grabs me by the shirt and he just goes like you know kind of like waves his finger and he's just like hey oh she and she said something like oh you know i'm a big fan of your music he goes that's cool he's like i'm talking to my friend eddie here right now he's like i'll catch up with you in a little bit and i'm standing there like what and she's like oh okay and like walks away and i go hey man you don't have to you know do that he goes Dude, he goes, I'm 36 years old. He's like, women like that have never talked to me in my entire life. Now they're like <laughs> lining up. He's like, she can wait. So tell me more about what you want to do. And I was like, what? And That's so weird. <laughs> talked to him for like 15, 20 minutes. He was a super yeah. cool guy. And I got to interview him for Pop Matters later on. And yeah, I just, um, I used to drive three hours. I remember there was one time I drove three hours to Toronto to go see him by myself yeah. to play. And only when I got there did I realize they were opening for a band. Oh, wow. So they play like a... 25 minutes set, That's 20 minutes set. And I drove back three and a half hours and I was <laughs> happy as can be. Yeah, didn't regret didn't it. Care. Yeah. Didn't care. Didn't care. It was yeah. like, that's what this band, you know, yeah. meant to be. They, yeah, I mean, to see, you have to see these guys live. And I think they, they came out in that time when, you know, I mean, I was in college and everything was ruled by like the like blogs and not just Pitchfork, but like the smaller blog, the Gorilla vs. Bear. Brooklyn and Vegan. Kind of and Brooklyn and Vegan and Stereo Gum. And then it was also where like, if you wanted to get music, it was before streaming, you basically would just Google like the name of the album dot RAR or dot zip or whatever. And then there's all those like MP3 blogs that they would leak the albums and you could download them. And they, TV on the radio is one of those bands that uh, I think Return to Cookie Mountain leaked like two months before it came out and they were touring behind it and they would go play these shows. The album had come out. People knew the words already and mm-hmm. stuff. And it was like a weird thing. But when I think about all those bands that got hyped during that time period, and then so many of them that have just like you can't even remember anymore. They just disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, that's or, a good point. Not really important. This is one that like, I mean, I don't think I don't know that like kids will listen to TV on the radio, but I feel like you could play TV on the radio for somebody in twenty years and they would still connect. Like there's because to your point, like they really do sound different from anything else. And yeah, and, and it's such a weird. Sound. I've never been able to pronounce Tunde's last name, and so I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> um, but Tunde, the lead singer, and then Kip Malone, mm-hmm. I read somewhere years ago. It's like it's unfair that the same band has those two guys singing. Yeah. Say they play off of each other perfectly. Dave's right. tech is, you know, he's a master. He's a right. genius. I remember that uh, Return to Cookie Mountain, Bowery Ballroom in New York was one of my favorite venues when I used to live there, and uh, I got tickets to that. And uh, Bowie. Was sitting in the rafters. Oh, that's and, right. I remember he played on reading about the province. That. Yeah, and uh, Bowie was cool because like I'd see him every once in a while at shows. Yeah, and the best part about a David Bowie sighting is no one would talk to him. Right, he'd have a table reserved with oh, a yeah, hilarious, 
it's I think it was more it was there was definitely respect, a lot of, it yeah. was a respect but it was it was definitely like it was fear I yeah. mean like I I don't know like I think you and I have talked about this before like famous people they don't really phase me musicians right. though it's like I there's a few I've, of them there's yeah. a few of them and like I've I've done it a couple times and just go up to them and just I just I'm a big fan I want to thank you for your music yeah. and that's it I don't take pictures or yeah, autographs yeah. like if I have that moment like that means a lot to me and usually they're pretty gracious about it yeah. but Bowie yeah. Um, but he, I'll never forget that. I mean, he was just smiling the whole time. Like, yeah. He was so into yeah. the not even the zeitgeist. Like he 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 always knew. He determined the zeitgeist. Right. His, particip- his participation helped influence it. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's always significant if Bowie's going to like co-sign you. And right. Yeah. I mean, he sings background vocals on Providence. Right. And I mean, I don't I don't honestly know how many other like vocal guests he did in those years. Arcade like, Fire. But not on the record. Like, he showed up at one of their shows and stuff, and he always, like, upped them, but I don't think he ever did any work with them. I think he did something on the suburbs, I think. Like, something small. And the thing about Bowie, which, and that's why everybody assumed he was really sick or there's something going on, yeah. he was always so muted. And it's right. probably my, his preference. It was always very understated, and you, yeah. you had to really know or hear and be like, right. is that David Bowie? Yeah. Because, um, you know, he has such an iconic and recognizable voice. But... Um, you bring up the the New York scene. Um, my wife just bought me Meet Me in the Bathroom. Have mm-hmm. you heard of this book? Uh, it just came out. Um, I read an excerpt from like Vulture.com about the Strokes talking uh, talking shit about Ryan Adams <laughs> and how he really got Albert Hammond Jr. into heroin and this and that. And I was like, and I was, I I was like, wow. Because I, like, I was living in New York during these years yeah. of like when Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Secret Machines and I mean the Walkman. Yeah. You know, you name it. Band after band after band. Um, and it, it covers this 15-year period in New York City, uh, kind of that scene. And uh, you're absolutely right. There are so many bands that just kind of faded away yeah. um, or str- you know, continue to kind of chug along and struggle like an Interpol or you yeah. know, whoever else. But Yeah, it's weird. It's cool, though. I mean, hey, they, they made a difference. And now they're picked on an episode of Memory Tracks. <laughs> and now, yeah, now they're <laughs> preserved forever. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, you picked some good ones, man. They hit, they hit home with me, so... Well, That's and speaking fun. of, real quick before I forget, yeah. I have a gift for you because someone has set the precedent of giving oh. you things, uh, <laughs> records. And speaking of the Walkman, hey, if you had, if if I you don't had, oh, this is the one too. I remember this with bows and arrows. Yeah. If you have, mm-hmm. if you had a show that was based on albums, this mm-hmm. probably would have been one one of them for me. For you. Yeah. But um, I'm gonna definitely listen to this because Walkman's a band. Actually, the person who introduced me to TV on the radio, John Meller. Also, is a huge Walkman fan. He hasn't been on yet, but he will one day. Um, Very cool. And he always tried to get me into the Walkman, and it's just never a band that I listened to that much to. Not from any dislike or anything, but this could be the moment. So this it, it could be. Maybe you're ready for the Walkman. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. They got arrested in Austin one year, right? He, he's now, uh, so I went to see Hamilton Lighthouser, the uh, former lead singer of yeah. the now broken up Walkman, and he's selling T-shirts of his mugshot. Um, I never, I <laughs> never Austin. knew that he. Uh, yeah, I never knew that. He, do you know what he got arrested for? Uh, I think they like disorderly. They trashed the hotel room. Oh. Uh, oh. They like played really late and then came back drunk and got into an argument with like a bellhop and then they went back to the room and like trashed the hotel room and the hotel called the cops on them and they got arrested for being drunk or something. Uh, where where yeah. I'm from, Rochester, New York, one of the, our most uh, interesting claim to fame is Bowie was arrested there, and he's really? an, an iconic <laughs> mugshot of Rochester, New York, on the thing. Yeah, I don't. I, have I the, think something. The coaster of Prince when he got arrested. There in you go. Jackson, Mississippi. 
Yeah, that's cool. I hope if I ever get arrested, I get a cool mugshot out of it. And maybe I'll turn it into a coaster. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, hey, man, I really appreciated having you on. I feel like this was good. It was fun. Yeah, no. It, uh, thank you very much for having me. I've yeah. been looking forward to this. Well, it'll be it'll be a good one to, to look back and listen to. So until next time, memory tracks. Thank you. <laughs>